Radiotopia. Welcome to the Kitchen Sisters present PRX. We're the Kitchen Sisters, Davia Nelson and Nikki Silva. Hi, this is Nikki of the Kitchen Sisters. We want to tell you about a new weekly from PRX called Monumental. Did you know there are 22 monuments depicting mermaids, but only two depicting U.S. Congresswomen? The landscape of public memory is changing, but is the day-to-day changing with it? Monumental will uncover the stories that our monuments are telling about what and who is important, as well as the stories that have been left out. Join host Ashley C. Ford and our team of 12 journalists across the country as they confront the reality of what we publicly commemorate, exploring big questions about the past, present, and future of monuments. Listen on Mondays, wherever you get your podcasts. The Kitchen Sisters Present is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. In 2021, in the heat of the pandemic... Two college students, Alan Heenich and Max Strickberger, decided to take a semester off from the University of Pennsylvania. They were cooped up and taking classes online, and they wanted to get out there and find out how COVID was impacting other young people around the country. They took off in Alan's mom's car from their hometown in Maryland to Chattanooga, Greensboro, New Orleans, Dallas, Santa Fe, Circleville, Jackson, Omaha, Chicago, talking to a surprising and diverse array of young Americans. The result is a project called Generation Pandemic, a rich online gallery and archive of photographs and stories, articles in the Washington Post, the Philadelphia Inquirer, and praise and interviews with NPR and news outlets around the country. Today, the Kitchen Sisters present a news story these two recent college graduates have been following. It's called Losing Lincoln. Produced by Alan Heenich and Max Strickberger. Over the past few years, Max and I have interviewed more than 80 young adults across the country. We've heard from farmers and musicians, new parents and students. In some of our interviews, we started hearing about an accelerating trend. Colleges shutting their doors for good permanently. Concordia students are walking out of class today following the university's recent announcement that it's closing down. Last month, the president announced that mills will close. By the end of May, McMurray terminated most of the 101 full-time employees. In June, since the start of the pandemic, more than 90 colleges have closed or merged. It's been happening all over the country, particularly at small liberal arts schools. For about a year, we followed these stories. Then just as we were getting ready to graduate, we read about Lincoln College. I swear to you, for me, not one person in town saw this coming and accept this demise. Lincoln College is closed, a mainstay that's been here for 157 years. It was so quick. That is still very perplexing to me. 
first and only college or university in existence in the world named after President Abraham Lincoln during his lifetime. I don't know how you go to class knowing that in a month you might not have a home. So what happened with the school is just the pandemic hit it really hard. If you type into Google, why did Lincoln College close? You'll see two reasons pop up. Number one, COVID. Number two, a ransomware attack originating in Iran. It was bizarre, and the closure announcement came late, only about a month before graduation. Lincoln was a rural, predominantly black institution, one of only seven in the country. Around 60% of students were eligible for Pell Grants. For most, that means their families make less than $30,000 a year, and 40% were first-generation college students. It was July when we arrived in Lincoln. Just as hot as Maryland, but the landscape was flatter than a coffee table. The town kind of feels like a suburban oasis in the middle of cornfields. There's the Walmart, the Domino's, and Amtrak from Chicago runs straight through town a few times a day. Walking around town, we barely saw any students, and staff was reluctant to talk on the record. The administration, the board of trustees, President David Gerlach, they all seemed unreachable. So, we got on social media. A local real estate agent led us to a professor, a city politician, coffee shop owner. Then on Facebook, I found a man named Tim who helped lead the local Black Lives Matter movement. Then he put us in touch with his mom, Miss Linda. She's been in Lincoln her whole life. People in town are shocked beyond belief because this should have never happened. Nobody's seen this coming. You know what I'm saying? Because Lincoln College was symbolic. Lincoln is dying. We've had so much loss here. They closed 10 businesses here in one year in a town like this to lose that much. This was Abraham Lincoln, 157 years gone. It was 10.30 a.m. We got an email from the president saying, um, emergency meeting at 4 p.m. in the gym, you should probably come. We're all just joking and stuff. We're like, oh, maybe the school's shutting down. Coming in the gym, you could just see like people heads down. Some teachers are crying. Even the president, he can barely like say it. Hey, uh, school's kind of you know it's it's over unless we get a donation of like like an extreme amount, like two lotteries amount. Unless we get this amount of money, we can't even continue next semester because everything we had joked about five hours prior to that was for real. We spoke it into existence. Yeah. Start with, I guess, your name, where you're from originally, and then like when you started going to Lincoln. All right, so I'm Andre Williams. I'm from Springfield, Illinois, and I started going to Lincoln um, right after COVID hit, so 2020. Fall 2020 is when I got there. I'm an athlete basketball player. Uh, was we connected with Andre over Instagram and met up at his barber shop about an hour south of Lincoln in Springfield, Illinois. He's a member of Lincoln's last graduating class. Imagine having a graduation in the Twilight Zone. That's literally what it was. Going on 23 and saying I'm, I was a part of the last class at Lincoln College is just insane. When this school shuts down, everybody not gonna make it. There was times when guys from their cities, you know, who were just trying to find an escape, would just come to Lincoln to just stay because of the community. They might have had friends out there and they would just stay in their dorm room just to get away from whatever their home situation was. That like, just sense of security. That was taken away just so abruptly. 
Did people stop going to class? Oh yeah. Kids, some kids went home. They knew this was this was all I had. I gotta. I need to go back now and make sure I can be good for the, for the months to come. I need to get a job. I got to get my life in order now. You know, some people only have so much capacity when it comes to college. You know, you've put your all in school, and now you've got to restart. Not knowing, I mean, not knowing what your financial aid is going to be now, depending on where you go. This is with finals in a month. Some kids, they don't have a home to go to. Not only just the students, but then you got to talk about the staff. I think just little by little, does it really hit you when you begin to see dumpsters fill up with stuff that are, are like, these are memories. These are things should be in people's offices. They're not things that should be in a dumpster. Ron Keller was a professor at Lincoln for more than 20 years. He taught history and directs the Lincoln Heritage Museum, which is inside the school's new athletic center. This place is like a gold mine for Abraham Lincoln artifacts. The second floor, we have an immersion experience. You kind of walk through um, Lincoln's memories. It's an audio video tour. So that's what our museum is. Um, well, the other thing we've been hearing about is this uh, like ransomware attack that happened earlier in the, in the year. It was December, late December, early January when this happened. I couldn't check Canvas. I couldn't do any preparation for my classes for the next semester. Cause Some people later told us the ransom notes came out of the printers unprompted as if the school had been possessed by a ghost. The source of the cyber attack? Hackers in Iran. I don't think I understood the severity of what had happened. It took months to finally pay the ransom. According to the administration, it was less than $100,000. Not enough to tank the school financially. That was already underway during the pandemic. But it did make it harder to communicate with prospective students and project fall enrollment numbers. Were there warning signs? Certainly. But um, to... Th- Say it was a shock was was an understatement, and we all read the news. Private colleges, in the past 10, 15, 20 years since I've been involved in Lincoln College, somewhere in the country, a private college closed. There were several days for the first time in my career at Lincoln College. I woke up thinking, I don't want to face this. I don't want to want to face. I don't want to face this. There were some that I never saw again after that announcement. And my spiel I gave to every one of the students is, Look, we're all in this together. I'm losing my job, you're losing this Lincoln College experience, Um, uh, you grieve, it's okay, I'm going to grieve too, but do not the next six weeks. Don't let a grade slip just because of what happened here. I'm going to keep on teaching, I'm going to keep on giving tests, I'm going to keep on giving assignments. I'm not giving up and I don't want you to give up either. Don't give up on me. We didn't give up on school, school gave up on us, like, literally, like, school gave up on us and I'm never going to love another school like I love Lincoln. Like, I found my dream school, which was Lincoln, and it's not here anymore. My name is Jayla Bolden. I grew up literally right here. What's the name of this area? Um, Dalton, Illinois. We got connected to Jayla through Andre. She was a sophomore at Lincoln when the school announced closure. The rest of Lincoln, I think Lincoln is like 97% white. They didn't have a lot of stuff, like, for black people the beauty supply is like 36 minutes away. Like I've never had to travel to go do something like that. They didn't Jayla initially came to campus as a frequent visitor. She used to couch surf with her friends, sit in on classes, and sneak into the dining hall until one day an administrator helped her formally transfer from another school. Lincoln is the first place out of my 21 years living where I had peace. Like I could just be okay. Like 
that was more me being around my friends felt more home and family like than even being around my family a lot of people just lost their faith a lot of people didn't have anywhere to go i was one of those people actually i've lived with my grandma and my uncle and then i lived with my dad and his girlfriend before that and way before that i lived with my mom so i literally have been house hopping we had like a meeting with the president after that and all, whatever students wanted to come you can come talk to the president we all bum rushed him in his office after he told us the school was closing i was just so mad i was just upset i remember one of the questions this boy from Chicago, he said there's a lot of people who school saved them, like from from gun violence and everything, from where they come from. They built a home here, a safe home. We found a video of the confrontation on Facebook. You got kids that's Harvey in this room that might die when they go back to their city. You, what's happening? What's happening? I ain't got no school I can go to next year. That was the one person that gave me a chance. The only chance of saving this college at this point is a miracle gift. Uh, 50, 40, 50, 100 million dollars. And it breaks my heart. Somebody should make a difference. But resources are resources. We've, we've done everything we possibly could. My friend, I just went to his funeral yesterday. My friend Bill had got shot. He was at school the whole semester, like day to day. And he just lived every day with us. He ate in the cafeteria with us. It was to the point where faculty knew him, but they, but he didn't um, go to school there. They just didn't say anything. They just let him stay. Wow. He had a baby actually three weeks before, three weeks before he died, yeah. What was he like at school? Everybody knew Bill and everybody knew he didn't go to school there, but everybody knew him. He literally was like the light in the room, like he, and making everybody laugh. Bill was a great basketball player, and that's what he wanted to do. He said he was gonna come to school in August and he was gonna get on the basketball team. He was already talking to the coach at school. Like, it was his future, like, his ticket from Chicago, like violence, gun violence, gang, everything he had to deal with at home. Lincoln closing, not to say it could have saved him or been any different, but I just feel like it could have. Like, it could have it did something different, like, it could have. Jayla was one of the last students we interviewed in person. We had spoken to close to a dozen members of the community, but still no one in the administration would talk to us. Until finally, months later. Hello, this is Dave. Hey, President Gerlach, how are you? I'm good, Alan, how are you? I'm doing well. You're a hard man to get a hold of. I got David Gerlach on the phone. He had been president of Lincoln since 2015. And I also spoke to Scott Raper. Hello, you have reached Scott Raper. Please leave. Hi, Scott, how are you? Good, how are you? Scott was a faculty member who helped lead the students' fundraising efforts. We had a group of students that had expressed an interest in trying to do something about it. You know, instead of just sitting around, they wanted to take action. And we're like, well, let's let's start a social media blitz. Let's start a fundraising campaign, see what we can achieve. You know, the moment I accepted the job in 2015, it, it's been challenging. Operating a small private college, very tuition dependent, um, we've been fundraising from day one. All year, I was trying to get the attention of Mackenzie Scott. Jeff Bezos' ex-wife had given away billions, and I was trying to get on her radar. And when we started, um, it was. It was a feasible amount of money that we needed to raise based on the initial announcement. And then Upon that initial announcement, $20 million would have kept us going. And then... Once we kind of approached 
administration and let them know what we were doing. Um, then they kind of moved the goalpost out a little further and said, well, that would get us through another year. But we That grew to 50 when af- after the all the colleges showed up for our transfer fair that we had and we started losing students, we started losing employees. And then uh, as we started to get traction, um, that goalpost kept moving. One of the last figures I heard was a hundred million. I, I used a hundred at one point, but but fifty would have certainly given us running room. Um, so very frustrating, very confusing. Not really sure what the the real story was from a fundraising effort. It's really hard to put together any kind of goals and objectives if you don't know what the actual goal of the fundraising campaign is. They, they were almost like scared that we were actually going to be able to get that money for them. There was a real ethical dilemma. And so I didn't sanction the student fundraising. We could have collected the $100,000, but to what end? That wasn't enough. What I certainly didn't want was get a $20 million response and then close in a couple of short years, give false hope, false promises. After we got a little further into the fundraising campaign, we started to see the reality that no matter what amount of money we got, they were still going to close. That's just kind of when everything turned. HR put out some pretty demanding wording as far as we're not allowed to speak to the media. We are not allowed to speak on behalf of the college. What's it going to take to successfully land that airplane? We could have operated another year. I think it would have been very challenging. But but that would have crashed the plane. When you look outside your window, how does campus look like right now? Oh, you're going to make me cry. Uh, it's quiet. You know, I've been in higher ed 38 years, and, and uh, this is a sad time. It's unnatural for a college campus to feel like this. Um, the leaves are beautiful. They're turning. And right now the students would be full into their semester and, and uh, competing athletically and putting on wonderful plays and music performances. And it's just quiet. There's six people on campus. Do you have a lot of images of Abraham Lincoln in your office? between my office and my car there's at least 40 wow images of lincoln i have a a saying outside my office it's an image of lincoln and it says perseverance the difference between history's boldest accomplishments and its most staggering failures are often simply the diligent will to persevere It's been more than a year since Lincoln closed its doors. Spencer Davis, born and raised in Lincoln, is now entering his senior year of college. After Lincoln closed, he and his entire media department transferred to Eureka College. They do not have a program. Uh, We we are the program. So we're bringing all of our equipment, we're bringing our manpower, uh, because we have to build a radio station and TV station, essentially. Andre Williams, the varsity basketball player, became a member of Lincoln's last graduating class. I'm forever, I'm going to die bleed Lincoln like that's that's what I am I'm I'm a Lynx today he coaches basketball at another school named after Abraham Lincoln Lincoln University in central Missouri Jayla Bolden initially transferred to National Lewis University in Chicago 
to keep studying criminal justice. I'm never going to love another school like I love Lincoln. After the fall semester, she dropped out to become a hairdresser. She says that more than a dozen of her closest friends dropped out as well after Lincoln closed. Ms. Linda is still in Lincoln, and she's not planning on leaving anytime soon. I've lived here since September of 1965. I wouldn't go to New York because they say there's nine rats per person. They say there's eight million people in New York, and there's nine rats per person. Well, I'm not going. As for Scott Raper? Well, currently I am the full-time executive director of uh, Springfield Ballet Company. David Gerlach, once president of the college, planned to retire in Texas to live near his grandchildren. We'll pull out of here, and I'll be two miles from my grandchildren in Houston. Today, he's still working part-time with a few colleagues to sell the Lincoln College campus. For more than a year, news has been quiet, up until just a few months ago. Mayor Tracy Welsh made an unexpected announcement on local radio station WHOW. You dropped a bomb on me there, Mr. Mayor. You know, I don't have a lot of details to share with you, to be honest, but Lincoln College is going to open back up. You know, there are people committed to bringing that, that campus back to life. It won't be exactly like Lincoln College was as we known it. It'll have a different feel to the program, but they're bringing a lot of other pieces. To as soon as I heard the news, I gave Ron Keller a call. He's still directing the Lincoln Heritage Museum, the only piece of campus that's still open. So I read the news about Lincoln's reopening. What's been going on? What have you heard? So the mayor, I think, jumped the gun a little bit, I'll just say. There's actually a, uh, a party that is in negotiations for a possible purchase. I, I think a lot of the board and administration has been very hush-hush because they don't want to promise anything and, and that may not be delivered upon. Right. I mean, if the campus sells, do you think this new Lincoln will be very different? You know, I'm um, Alan. You know, I, I often take some cues from Lincoln. And in the middle of the Civil War, when things were uncertain, when the Union was precarious, Lincoln uh, said, "You know, we need to think anew and act anew. Dogmas of the past do not fulfill the present need." You know, I'm thinking. I know where we've been. I know what worked. I I loved our past. I loved our liberal art history. But the fact is, the times call for different changes, and you either have to adapt and embrace change, or you lay down and die. We can continue what we've done in the past, just in a very different way. And so, yes, this is a big thing, if it happens. The story continues. This project was made possible with support from the SACS Program for Arts Innovation, original soundtracks composed by Reed Rosenbluth. A special thank you to Nikki Silva for her patient editing and inspiration, Patti and Dani Hinich for their endless support and SUV, Deborah and Adam Strickberger for their lifelong role modeling, and all those who helped along the way. Ron Keller, Tim Rivera, Miss Linda, Andre Williams, Jayla Bolden, Spencer Davis, David Gerlach, Scott Raper, Seth Goodman, Aaron Butler, David Upchurch, Julia Figueroa, Claudia Blachek, Doogie Barron, and the Rose family. Thank you guys so much. And special thanks to Alan and Max for hitting the road and chronicling the stories. The Kitchen Sisters Present is produced by the Kitchen Sisters, Nikki Silva and Davia Nelson, with Brandy Howell and Nathan Dalton. We're part of Radiotopia from PRX, a curated network of some of the most compelling podcasts out there. You'll find them all at radiotopia.fm. 
Also, our annual Bowling with Grace party and fundraiser is coming up on Wednesday, October 25th, 2023, at Mission Bowling Club in San Francisco. It's in honor of amazing Grace Malloy, who just turned 100 and is still bowling strong. Great food, drinks, friends, including a sparkling array of celebrity bowlers. Boss Gags, Alice Waters, Samin Nostrat, Ear Hustle's Nigel Poor and Erlon Woods, Rebecca Solnit, and so many more. The party is a blast, and you are invited. Polish up your bowling ball and visit kitchensisters.org for ticket information. It's an election year, have you noticed? But does it feel like our democracy is running smoothly? Does it feel like our leaders are responsive to our needs? If you don't think so, you're not alone. So the question is, how can we start to fix it? Luckily, there are things we can do right now to get us back on track. This podcast is part of the Pro-Democracy Podcast Coalition, a group of shows, hosts, and networks who are banding together to try and make things better. We're partnering with Represent Us, the largest grassroots organization working city by city and state by state to pass laws that protect democracy and improve it. We need a system that works for the American people, not just special interests. And you can do your part. Go to represent.us slash podcast. That's represent.us slash podcast to join the movement today. Radiotopia. Radiotopia.